So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. This is Adriana Linares coming to you from my hometown of Winter Park, Florida today. I'm excited to be spending some time in my hometown. I'm a legal technology consultant and trainer, and the reason that I'm excited to be at home is because I am usually found bopping about the country helping lawyers with their technology and their practice management needs. So, happy to be here. Before we introduce today's topic on New Solo, I'm going to take a second to thank our sponsors, their Solo Practice University. Make sure you go and check out their website at solopracticeuniversity.com, especially if you're a solo or a new solo or thinking about going solo. They have a lot of great classes and education um, to help you with making that a successful endeavor. On our last episode, we talked to Chad Burton, and he helped us figure out how to sort of get a practice rolling as far as uh, documentation and paperwork and client intake and, and really making sure that conflict checks were done right and understanding how conflicts move with us throughout our entire practice. Today, I'm very excited to have Stephanie Kimbrough on. She is a very well-known lawyer, entrepreneur, professor. She's got all kinds of stuff uh, tucked under her belt that I'm going to ask her to tell us about in just a second. And she's here to talk to us about interesting and new potential areas of law that might have cropped up over the past few years that solos might be interested in. We'll probably ask her a little bit about maybe some areas that aren't as popular as they were. And then, of course, you know, areas that are always good to go into. Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you because you're a pretty amazing lady. You have, let's see, started a software company built for lawyers. You are a successful lawyer. You've recently become a fellow at Stanford. Tell us a little bit about everything you've done and what you have going on and and just the very cool things that you get to do. Sure. I started out uh, working in a small law firm and then decided that being like a lot of solos, uh, more independent and wanting more flexibility in my own schedule and more control, I went off into solo practice where I had a virtual law office. So um, at the time I was raising a family and just needed more flexibility and I created this this software. It was a company called Virtual Office Technology, LLC. And after about the first year of delivering estate planning online to clients, I had other lawyers coming to me saying they wanted the same flexibility, the same type of uh, client portal technology so that they could have virtual offices you know, for various reasons. And they were mostly solos and small firms that wanted to do this. And then Total Attorneys, a Chicago-based company, acquired my company in 2009. And from there, I continued to practice as a solo practitioner. And I went to work for Burton Law Firm. Um, Adriana mentioned her last speaker was Chad Burton. He was the founder of Burton Law. Um, He and I worked together. Uh, His virtual law firm is a different structure than the completely web-based solo practice that I have. I wanted to experience using technology to collaborate multi-jurisdictionally with other lawyers. So, I spent a couple years at the Burton Law Firm and then 
this uh, past spring moved out to California from North Carolina to start a fellowship at Stanford Law School. In my spare time when I'm not practicing law, I teach to various law schools. Um, I taught for Wake Forest for a while, Concord Law School, uh, Florida Coastal, um, Michigan State's reInvent Law Program. So I teach as an adjunct professor for a lot of different law schools, and I teach primarily the use of technology in law practice management, unbundling of legal services, and virtual law practice. So here in California, I'm lucky because I'm still teaching online courses. So I get to work with three uh, L's mostly, law students who are eager to get out there and practice. And most of them are going to be solos or small firm practitioners. And then I'm also able to research at Stanford. I'm researching um, online engagement tools. And I, I might talk a little bit about that mm. in this podcast, like how to engage with those consumers that you want to draw into your solo practice. And then I also work with legal tech startups and law firms. So kind of a wide range. So I, I'm not exactly practicing estate planning law anymore, but I'm still very much working with law firms and law students. And I think I have a pretty good broad idea of what's going on in terms of the legal marketplace. Yeah, you might know a couple things. So that's why I'm so glad you're here. No, it's amazing. I love that we have had on this show, I think you're the third, just completely amazing and impressive lady in all the things that you've done. So it's great. And I'm really excited to have you on, especially considering that you have been a practicing lawyer, you've built software technology bait, you've sold it. And now really, I think the main thing that I find interesting right now is that you're a professor. So you're talking to law students, um, potential lawyers, you know, they're going to come out and then what are they going to do with themselves? So do they ever come up to you and say, hey, Professor Kimbrough, what should I go into or focus on? Or I have an opportunity to do an internship at this law firm and they focus on this. Is that a good idea? What, what's your advice as far as areas of law to look into right now? Well, uh, yes. In fact, the way that I teach my courses and have for the last couple years is that I encourage all of my students, and it's required for their classes, but all new lawyers to create a business plan. And the first part of that business plan is doing some market research to determine which practice areas are going to be the best for you and really narrowing it down. So I think the starting point I would recommend for any new solo that's that's going out there is to create a business plan and learn how to do that. Come up with your mission statement, your branding message, and really look at the market. Because um, what happens is a lot of law students in these classes, before they've really narrowed it down, what they end up wanting to do is a general practice because mm -hmm. they think, well, I'll get more clients if I um, I'm able to offer all these different services, estate planning, small business right. setup, you know, but that's just not the way the market works. In particular, when you look at a marketing strategy, if you're trying to market five or six different practice areas, that's really difficult. Um, and what it, it'll end up uh, meaning is that their brand, what they're focusing on is going to be less strong if they're spreading it out over over all these different practice areas. And that, I just feel like as a small business owner myself who en ended up in a niche, that that's just a good idea for any small business owner. And I've said before on the podcast, which I'm sure you've heard because I'm sure you're a big fan and you listen to all my podcasts, Stephanie. Oh, I'm, I am. I'm, I'm sure. 
what I say is, so a lot of solos and smalls call me, of course, and they say, hey, I need help setting up my practice. My first question after how many of you are there going to be is what area of law you're going to go into. And this one guy said to me, door law. And it took me a second to realize that what he was saying was anything that walks in the door. And I'm not a lawyer and I don't, I feel like I don't know much about much, but I looked at him and I said, really? Well, that doesn't sound very smart. Maybe you should focus on something because focusing on something allows you to create a name for yourself. You know, I hear there's like the motorcycle lawyer, the bicycle lawyer who focuses on messengers that get injured in San Francisco when they're delivering. So he's the bicycle lawyer in San Francisco. There's the motorcycle lawyer in Florida. There's oh, one of my favorites, the um, flash mob lawyer. She specializes. Yeah. Like, isn't that amazing that there's somebody out there known as the, what's more amazing is you know who she is. I just know that there's this person out there. So what are those areas, or maybe if you can give us more examples of, of really specialized and cool niches that people have come up with, lawyers have come up with to market themselves in that way? Sure. I've seen equestrian law, law for horses, a law for people who love horses. Um, I've seen uh, recently, well, with my students, a lot of them, for, for a lot of them, um, English is a second language and they're immigrants. So they're creating specific mm. practice areas around like um, for immigrants of Korean descent, for example. And so this particular student's not just going to be marketing immigration law services, but very specifically, she speaks Korean. She's going to reach out to that community. So um, maybe even just starting with a broader practice area and narrowing down. So estate planning, but a focus on like pet trusts and people who have pets and are worried about planning around their pets uh, care when if they you know something happens to them. Uh, a lot of uh, veteran, I've seen some veteran law services and it's because the lawyer is a veteran and so they have some personal connection to the practice right. area. And I think that's where defining your niche is the best. So like the flash uh, mob lawyer, Ruth Carter, she actually does flash mobs. Like she <laughs> enjoys that. Really? Yeah. And, and the motorcycle <laughs> lawyer, I mean, he rides a bike. So he relates one-on-one -on -one to his prospective clients. And what happens is then your passion for what you're doing just ends up coming through in your marketing and your, your website. And if you blog, and it just, it's a more sincere and a, a better way to connect with your prospective clients. I just think it works a lot better. And do you think that lawyers who do that are happier at practicing law than ones who are general or practicing criminal law or family law where it just seems like maybe it's a little less happy? Uh, I think so. And, and not everyone has something like, you know, they love horses and they want to go into equestrian law. So for some of my students, they can't identify, you know, a hobby that they have that they could, that would translate well into, you know, a niche practice area. But some of them will find methods of delivery that they do enjoy. So like they'll do family law, but they're going to focus on collaborative legal services. I'm going to help people resolve their divorces and in, in a very friendly way and I'm going to focus on you know settling disputes um, or I'm going to do ODR for small businesses so rather than litigation I'm going to really focus on online dispute resolution and you know just finding unique ways then to help people so maybe it's not necessarily the practice area but more of the delivery method within the practice area if that makes sense. So a few minutes ago, you mentioned that sometimes you have students who can't identify, 
you know, what they love. They don't have a hobby. That would have been me too, by the way. When I was in college, I just, I didn't go to law school, but when I was in college, I didn't really like anything. And I just realized about a month ago when somebody said, hey, do you have any hobbies? I thought, oh, uh, I don't really, you know, there's nothing that I'm super into. So what do you tell the students who don't have a thing? If they come up to you and say, hey, Professor Kimbrough, I really want to get into something that's new and interesting. And what are the best areas of law to get into when I don't have a particular niche, as you say it, you're so much smarter than I am. I'm going to go with niche now, a niche to go into. What do we, what should I look at? What are good areas to think about? Well, I think then you have to look at um, the marketplace as a whole and how it's changing for solos in terms of competition. I actually don't think that areas like estate planning or no contest divorces, a lot of the fa- I think that a lot of that is becoming more and more automated, uh, especially estate planning and transactions-based practices. I'll be completely honest. One of the reasons why I left my solo practice was because it was becoming too expensive and difficult to compete in an online marketplace for those transactions based work for so basic transaction legal services like basic wills and trusts and um, no contest divorces name changes things like that that so easily automated and when the public someone in the public goes online and they search in google for that particular legal need what tends to come up are legal zoom rocket lawyer some of those branded network companies where they can go get a fixed fee packaged legal document. And and so I was trying to compete online uh, with the marketing budgets of these companies and the brands of these companies, which have millions of dollars. It just becomes very difficult to do that. So I would stay away from any type of legal service that is being commoditized or will become more and more so in the near future. So uh, if you can use document automation assembly to create it, I would kind of find a way to maybe you can offer that on the side but find some other practice area um, that's more lucrative. Elder law, I think, is an area where technology is going to be very difficult to replace the the way that elder law services are delivered because you're dealing with an older generation who needs a lot more hand-holding. They may not be as comfortable with technology. Automation may not work for them. They they want face-to-face, sit-down, you know, consultation with a lawyer, that might be an area I think that's, that's growing as the baby boomers, you know, moving into retirement. Um, that would be something to look at. Uh, they're either caring for their parents or they themselves may need the services in the future. So, and that's, this happens to be one of my favorite topics to talk about is, you know, the way lawyers are being quote, sort of scared into thinking that technology is going to replace the work that lawyers do. I like to say that technology is just going to replace that repetitive and mundane kind of work, but there's all this opportunity that if you can create it, it's going to come to you. I mean, this is the law of attraction 101. Make the opportunity, the work is going to come to you. So when we come back from our break in just a second, let's talk about that a little bit more. But before we do that, we're going to take a moment just to get a little word in, a message from our sponsor, Solo Practice University. And then we'll come back and finish talking to Stephanie. Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? 
Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There is only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals. Solo Practice University, the only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. Welcome back to New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares, and with me today is Stephanie Kimbrough. I'm very excited to have her on. She's a very smart attorney, professor, entrepreneur. She has so much to say that I'm absolutely going to ask her to come back and talk about a couple of other topics that I'm always chomping at the bit to discuss. And in the last segment, we talked about how if you're starting a new practice, a new solo, or you've decided, or you're a new lawyer, or you're an older lawyer who's decided to go out on your own, her advice was to stay away from the types of practices that have been commoditized by the likes, or can be commoditized by the likes of uh, Rocket Lawyer and LegalZoom, and go into some newer areas that might be growing and have an opportunity. So, Stephanie, you had mentioned elder law is a good area like that. Um, and then finding niches in different areas. What other, any other good ideas and suggestions? Like what's going on as far as becoming some sort of technology lawyer? I always think must be a ton of opportunity in, and that's a big, huge word to try and wrap a few sentences around, but is technology creating opportunity? Is, I feel like there's more entrepreneurs than ever. How about small business lawyers? How about, you know, like what the world is changing so much. Where are the opportunities? Uh, I think uh, small business lawyers focusing on entrepreneurship is a good one, small business owners. I think I've seen a lot of growth in immigration legal services and um, also intellectual property for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Those are some areas of growth that I've noticed. When I'm teaching part of my courses for the law students to build their business plan, I want them to look at technology definitely as part of the greater scheme of their business plan. So whatever practice area they choose, I want them to think about ideas like unbundling of legal services. Why don't you tell us what that means, just in case somebody listening doesn't know what that means? Sure. So unbundling is also called limited scope representation. And it's um, 42 states have adopted the model rule 1.2C, which in allows for the unbundling of services. And um, I wrote a book on this a couple years ago, and the ABA has recently passed a resolution encouraging courts, judges, um, lawyers, law firms to use unbundling. But the reason it's important, especially for solos and small firms, is because it increases your ability to compete with more traditional law firms that don't unbundle. So Unbundling really appeals to the do-it-yourself client, the same people that are going online and kind of looking for other um, sort of convenient and affordable options. And so a lot of the solos that I've worked with that use technology to deliver will unbundle those services. So they'll package different things, put a fixed fee on them, and sometimes advertise it on their law firm website, um, sometimes not, but it just depends on the practice area. But, but unbundling gives them an edge over a traditional firm that only offers those in-person full representation services. Hmm. Another question for you. 
the business plan idea. So let's go back to the first segment. You said, I encourage them to do market research and sort of figure out, you know, what areas they might focus on. If I'm in law school, or what if I'm not? So now instead of being a new lawyer, I'm a new solo that has been at a big firm for a long time. How do I do that market research? Like, give me a couple of tips on where do I find that information to try and decide what area or areas I might want to focus on outside of door law or criminal, you know, outside of the the usual stuff. How do I figure that out? Well, you're looking for the market need. So right now, uh, it's you want to look geographically. Uh, it's very geographic based. So you'd start out whatever city you're in, and really, honestly, just go to Google, and good put old in Google. good old Google, and put in the geographic area uh, you know that you want to deliver services to, and whatever s- legal services you want to deliver, and see what comes up first. And just start looking in the first and the second pages, who are the top attorneys, and then you look at um, what are they charging for those legal services. And then from that, you can determine what the legal need is. But you also then, let's say you really dead set on doing immigration law in, you know, your city, and there are two or three other attorneys there providing that same type of service. So then you differentiate yourself. Okay, well, neither one of them provides online legal services. Mm. I could be the lawyer in this area that does online that service. Or, you know, neither one of them, you know, some other way to differentiate yourself. Right. It's not online, but maybe you do um, unbundling of some particular service that they do. Or, you know, you just find a way to differentiate yourself. You do fixed fees. They don't. Um, and then that that tells you that you're fitting in a market need there uh, for prospective clients. So, that's, so it's, that's, that's great advice. So it's basically, look, go to the internet. Internet, well, Google knows everything. Figure out what you're interested in. Or if you've been out in the community, you're slowly going to figure out where there's this potential need and maybe you're going to like it. So you ask Google, you come up with the plan. And then, of course, you need to figure out how to market that, which is a whole different episode. But um, it just makes sense. Look for where there's a hole and dive in. Yeah, and if you can identify, I mean, with with most businesses, you know, to identify a market for a business plan, you can really tailor down your target client base. So if you're going to do elder law, you might want to research uh, and find out what is the general population where I want to deliver services? What is the age? What are the demographics? So you can get much more specific with the market research in your business plan if you can really define who that client target base is. Right. So that's an interesting example because here in Florida, we have this area called the Villages. And the Villages was purposefully sort of a pre-planned community for retirees. So if you had the lead early on that a developer was creating this community specifically for retirees with very cool amenities and like all this great stuff happening, you would have been the first one in there. And believe me, there are attorneys that were. And at this point in the game, it's hard to break into that community, that geographic area. They've hit the market on all the needs that that community might have. So maybe you're doing some research and you find that there's going to be another planned community for retirees or for college students. I mean, I guess those are called college campuses. But whatever it is, if you can figure it out then and get ahead of anyone else, then you're going to be in good shape. Here's another question for you. What areas of law are saturated? And you think, oh my God, we do not need one more lawyer that does X. Well, I 
that's that's a tricky one because <laughs> the need for access to justice is so great. There's actually a lot of need and a lot of lawyers and where we fall short is the matching up with the lawyers and the consumers who need the help. So I don't know that there's any one particular practice area that I would say is completely saturated. I, as I mentioned before, I think it's difficult to, um, it's going to be continually difficult to sell to the public legal services that they can get online from, you know, something like a rocket lawyer, lawyer or a legal zoom. And, um, now that the ABA has partnered, you know, this pilot project with rocket lawyer to match up lawyers with ABA member lawyers with clients, I think it's going to be even more competitive in those transactions based areas. Uh, but still, I don't think never, you know, really saturated if lawyers are willing to lower their fees, come out of the traditional practice model, deliver services online, there's plenty of need there. It's just a question of um, the lawyers working with within. Access. Here's what I know, Stephanie. I have got to have you come and talk to some of these groups that I get in front of all the time who are in complete panic over that, which is, oh, there's not going to be a need for lawyers anymore. I can't tell you the relief I feel in hearing an expert like you say, uh, you know, I live in the market, I study the market, I write books, I create software, I teach lawyers, I live in this world, and I can't actually identify an area of law that's going to suffer. That brings an immense amount of relief for me to hear. And I'm sure to our listeners, like, that's the good. need. It's good the to need hear. is there, but the lawyers are going to suffer if they want to continue practicing law. So they have to, the law firms have to change their, their hierarchies, uh, you know, yeah. the partner's hierarchy, and they need to change their concepts of billing. The billable hour is not good for the public. Um, fixed fees, lowered rates, using technology to streamline the work. So I think what is going to suffer is, is not necessarily those practice areas, but it's the, the lawyer's uh, traditional mode yeah. of practicing. Those who can't figure out how to adapt to changes and a new world, which of course is, is the world that I live in is, I mean, I can barely get lawyers to get a second monitor because they don't understand the benefit, much less why to go to alternative fees. Anyway, I always get so bummed out that the Legal Talk Network doesn't give me enough time to keep talking to people, but I'm going to ask you to come back because, if you will, because I'd love to have you come back and talk about alternative fees and sort of figuring out how to practice law in a new world. And, and I hate to even say that because I don't want to sound like one of those people that says, oh, it's a whole new world, because I don't think it is. I think it's just a matter of adapting, figure out how to fit in and, and delivering services. I think the market gets bigger with more technology that there is because now you have people who can actually reach sources for legal services. And before they couldn't, I mean, there was this huge market of people that needed help and they couldn't get it with technology they can. So I would love to have you come back. And unfortunately, I mean, we've reached the end of our program and I just want to thank you so much, Stephanie Kimbrough, for coming on. Why don't you tell everybody real quick where they can stalk you on the internet and learn more about the stuff you've done and the books that you've written and anything else that's useful to just keeping an eye on on all the information and knowledge and writing and things that you're doing to help keep the legal community abreast of all these great changes. Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's been fun and I'd, I'd be happy to come back. My blog is being revamped, but there's a lot of information for solos and small firms on there. If you just go to search different topics, 
Um, I focus on eth- usually ethics and technology, but there's a lot of startup, how-to startup stuff on there that I've taken for my law school classes, and that's virtuallawpractice.org. Um, so you can find how to re- reach me there. And then I'm on Twitter at, at Steph Kimbrough. Well, that's very good. I just want to thank you so much. And uh, for all the listeners who want to learn more about what you've heard today, please visit New Solo at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Don't forget you can follow us and download us and everything else on iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and of course, Facebook. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. I'm Adriana Linares. Thanks so much for listening. Join us next time for another great episode. And remember, you're not alone. Your new solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice solo here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.